We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey, you're listening to the Slowop Moto podcast presented by Fly Racing. I am... Uh in Chino Hills, California at the Yoshimura R&D headquarters, and I'm joined today by my longtime buddy, Eric Biggie Bartoldis. So, Biggie and I actually, uh, man, we've been friends since like around 2000, right? 2000? I, think, I think it was 2000, yep. And okay. uh, it was funny because um, I think you're maybe still an MX racer. Mm-hmm. Is before uh, Transworld happened, and um, the only reason I knew you is because um, through Cudby, and we were just we would see each other at the track, and mm-hmm. that's how we knew each other. Okay, and that was '99 then, at least. Okay, yeah, I think. But uh, so uh, I, I I started Transworld Motocross with Garth Mylan in 2000, and uh, at the time you were at GT Bicycles, correct? That's right. Yep. Yeah. And what were you doing there? So I was um, I was kind of in, in the marketing department. I started there in 1989. And in, t- and in 1994, um, um, I went from being on the road and doing a bunch of tours and clinics and stuff uh, to uh, they made me the brand manager and team manager for the Powerlight BMX team. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like the, the Powerlight brand was kind of my, my baby. And, and it was cool because all through those years, Powerlight was the redheaded stepchild of GT. We mm-hmm. were always like getting secondhand. And so it was, it was good not to be, you know, the GT guy right so yeah. i was I was always that that guy that like flew under the radar so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the brand so it was fun times though okay so backing up from that though uh in your youth you were a uh a professional bmx racer correct like well, I, I remember i couldn't believe the photos of like this skinny guy with big hair yeah, yeah i um I, I raced pro i turned pro back in 86 so i started racing bmx back in 1979 Mm-hmm. and always wanted to race motocross, always followed it. I had Tony D posters up on my wall back in the day in the 70s and stuff, and uh, parents got divorced, and that same story, like, we can't afford it, but, hey, BMX was there. So yeah. BMX came in, and I just started racing in 79 and um, just was always hanging around the right people, just like you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, just hanging around the right people and, and getting to know the right people and... and um, and in 1986, I wound up turning pro, and uh, I was kind of mediocre pro. I made mains and kind of a mid-packer kind of guy, you know, mm-hmm. um, but always just loved it. And uh, 1989, um, got a job at GT, and, and then um, I uh, was racing on and off until like 90, 91, and I raced a couple times a year mm-hmm. uh, through the years, but pretty much my pro career was over by probably 2001, so... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not, I'm sorry, not 2001, um, 91. 91, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So were you at GT from 91 till the time I met you? Yeah, so... So you um, were there for years and years. Until it went bankrupt, so that was in, um, actually, the whole thing went down um, in September 11th, 2001, when oh, the whole, wow. yeah, so it was, uh, they were in court, um, because Schwinn owned us at the time, mm-hmm. in Colorado, and when the planes hit, they cleared the court out they were having actually it was in court that day oh wow so we had to wait two weeks to see if we had a new owner and got jobs yeah and everybody was laid off except for like four people so wow and that's when i came calling to you i'm like 
hey, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, think yeah. I could, I can, I can write maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Defiantly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you were at GT during the McGrath GT BMX bike days, then, right? Were you, were you? Did you play a part in that? Oh yeah, for sure. So a good buddy between McGrath and myself is Eric Carter, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw that Jeremy was just a BMX guy, um, and at GT. Um, I was just like, hey, Jeremy, man, he was actually riding the Brackens back in 1990, I think. So um, in 92, we uh, we set him up with bikes, and uh, he was like a factory GT guy from oh, then on. Okay. Yeah, so, so that's all the way through That's how your friendship with Jeremy goes so far back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. even like as he got on the 250, he was already a solid like GT guy at that time, and mm-hmm. we have him in, in GT videos back in then stuff too. So like actually, it's pretty funny. Um, the first knack knack he did, I believe mm-hmm. was at sheep hills on a GT and mm. then he started doing it on his motor motocross bike. Oh, wow. So that was his, the beginning of the knack knack at sheep hills. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. I remember the first time I saw a picture of the knack knack, like Ken fought headshot it cause he was a dirt rider and he's a look at this and it was at the test track and you know, those two giant metal containers in the background of the test track yeah jeremy's above him and i'm like whoa is he falling off the bike you know like for me like with no bmx background i didn't know what a knack knack was and i'm yeah. like why is he getting off the bike in the air you know yeah but, you know what a knack knack is it's it's basically it's a, a freestyle move called a can can mm-hmm. but it's the backwards the opposite yeah, so yeah. they called it a knack knack okay so. but uh okay so you uh but i remember when jeremy was racing there was a gt showtime bicycle or something wasn't there yeah so there's an interesting story about that too so we agreed with um jack and jeremy they were just always fans of doing cool stuff and we were like hey we want to make a economy economy economical economical bmx bike not a full high-end one but Mm -hmm. somebody that can go out and buy spend 300 bucks and get a really cool showtime bike right so we made it and um this is i think we started like mid-summer and we made it and it was yellow because mm-hmm. he was on Suzuki at that time. Mm-hmm. It was in 97, I think he was on Suzuki. Mm-hmm. So um, we got it all ready, and it was like, hey, what do you think? And he's like, um, you need to turn it blue <laughs> <laughs> because the Yamaha thing yeah. happened. So um, we had one prototype bike that was yellow, mm-hmm. um, and then we turned them blue. And it's fun. That's why if you look at the Showtime bikes, the rims are yellow mm-hmm. because we already ordered those. We couldn't, we yeah. couldn't go back and change those. So... The one prototype bike that was yellow, um, I kept. And when Jimmy Button got hurt, I brought it out to Chaparral, and mm-hmm. we and we uh, auctioned it off for oh, okay. um, for him getting better for yeah. recovery and stuff. So that I don't know where that bike is, but yeah. somebody's got a yellow Showtime bike, nice. one of a kind. So I wonder if it's uh, if you could find those on on eBay or Craigslist. You can. I, I yeah. looked. I have one still in the box. Oh, do you really? Yeah, still I'm, I'm going to wait another twenty years before I pull it out. <laughs> Definitely. So, okay, so, uh, yeah, when you are at GT, remember we were hanging out because, uh, you know, Cudby was our, our friend in common. Yep. And I remember I was like, hey, Biggie, I just bought this house in Valencia, and there's these dirt jumps down the street, and you're all, oh, and you gave me a GT Thumper, right? It was a dirt jump bike. Yep, yep. And let me tell you, the first time I rode it, I thumped myself hard. <laughs> I think I got knocked out. I, like, went off some jump without even knowing, you know, and I yeah. leaped out and hit my head on the ground and then a couple uh couple months later it was the funniest thing my mother-in-law was like oh i want to ride that bike you know I, my house in valencia was on a hill and i just remember seeing her come flying down the hill she did not stop and she 
rode Ryden's palm tree in my front yard. <laughs> that bike's disastrous, oh, yeah, man. Bike, but, uh, I think I think my neighbor kid ended up with that bike because I, I got hurt on it a couple of times. But so okay, so you went from GT and you came to work for me in the in the golden era of Transworld Motocross. Oh man, those were good a, days. We had a lot of fun and a lot of uh, a lot of laughs and inside jokes and. And we shared the office with the BMX guys. Yeah, so you already knew all of them. Yeah, I knew all of them, but you were like, I think you were banging heads. The motocross guys always banged heads a little bit. Well, yeah. With Losi and... Yeah, the problem was, was, you know, Brad McDonald was the founder of Ride BMX and and Snap. Uh, And, uh, you know, he had the idea to start the motocross magazine, so he hired me. But it it was the first time in my career, really, I was really sought after, you know, like, because I... My first job was Cycle News, you know, and, and I, well, they called me for that, but it was like, hey, well, there's opportunity. So I went there. And then uh, when I went to Dirt Rider, you know, I really wanted to go there and they called me and I went, but I was really hesitant about leaving MX Racer to start Transworld because it was kind of unknown. So Brad McDonald wanted me so bad that I'm like, okay, well, this guy really wants me. And then when he told me what my salary was going to be, it was like, it was like 30 or 40 grand more than I was making at MX Razor. So I was like, oh, yeah, this guy really wants me. So I told him, here's how it's going to be. You know, we're going to, you know, he allowed me to choose someone. So I chose Garth. I go, we'll come in like one day a week, but the rest of the time we're in the field or working from home because you remember uh, Transworld was in, in Tustin, and I lived in Valencia at the time. Yeah. So, so we kind of told him how it was going to be. And Brad is like the gnarliest micromanager in the world, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he had all the BMX guys like super micromanaged. They had to go in every day. Yeah. And, you know, basically they're on salary, but they had to almost clock out for lunch, one hour lunch and everything. So that's why the animosity They all, they all hated us. <laughs> they hated Garth and I because we were the, the dirt bike guys. I got to do what we wanted. We were teacher's pet. So on top of that, you know, like our personalities kind of clashed a little bit. And so. And I think it wasn't long, too, but as soon as the magazine started, it just took off, right? Yeah, yeah. So it just eclipsed the BMX titles, right? Yeah, yeah we uh, we passed up the BMX titles in, in ad revenue pretty quickly. And, uh, but it was fun. those days were so much fun because yeah. I remember going to uh, Irvine Photographics on oh, Mondays, yeah. bringing film over there yeah. and, like, dropping it off. And yeah, waiting I wonder, if I wonder what's, like, and then doing photo pics, laying, laying all this on the slides on the, yeah. on the table. Gosh. It's funny to think how far things processes have come since then you know like there's no more slide film i mean heck the digital cameras now are changing to mirrorless so but yeah remember do you remember when garth and i were like we'll never go digital digital oh, yeah, lame. yeah yeah and, and i was listening to the the swap model live show and you and garth talking about that about man uh, it, the digital's not there yet it's not there yet and then yeah. and then it started getting every year it got better and better yeah. you know i remember when i was at gt simon bought the first digital camera that we bought, I think it was like six or eight megapixels. <laughs> and I'm serious. I think it was like 30 grand or something. Yeah. And then within like two years, it was obsolete almost. Totally. Yeah. I just remember when Garth and I were like, you know, the slide film holdouts, we'd like watch the digital guys at the race. And, you know, you, they take a picture and immediately they're like looking at their camera, chimping mm, every day. Yeah. Look, look at those goons. You know, they don't, they don't know what they're capturing you know yeah, like they're we, not confident in their you, photos you have to know what your settings are to shoot with film but uh yeah those days were crazy it was uh so when you worked for me it was garth myself you was it fiori 
I'm Mark not Fury, sure if Fury guy. was there yet. I'm not sure. Was Lewis there yet? Or he came on later, right? Mm. No, I think Lewis was there already because Bill and Magoo at Revolution is what we started the magazine with, but they only lasted one year, I think. Okay. Because I came, I came in, um, in March of 01, I think it was. Okay, yeah. So we were monthly by that point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Because that's why you said, hey, we're going monthly we when, you, when you talk to me and, <laughs> we, hey, we need help. Yeah. So. so <laughs> and you're like, can you change air filters? <laughs> yeah. But uh, my, my, my most vivid memory was we tested the Raven gear. It was baggy riding gear, but it was just another Me Too brand. You know, there was already LBZ and SMP yeah. and Stiffy and stuff. But this company called Raven came around, and I remember I ordered it in your size, and we made you photo model it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. It was the best. That was the world's worst gear ever, I think. Yeah. Cuz I think it was it was I think it was ink ball gear that was trying yeah. to be moto gear. Yeah, yeah, right? it was paintball gear and yeah. they tried to cross over. Yep. But yeah, we had a And it showed. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and you always called the stuff the sacrificial lamb of the month, you know, yeah. like we got to have something we can't give all five stars. We got to have something bad. Oh, here's Raven gear. Biggie, yeah. wear it. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, I still feel that way now. Like you can't have any credibility if everything is just like, "Oh, this is the best, the yeah. best, the best." Absolutely. You know, I used to argue with Ken Fodd at Dirt Rider about that like, "Hey, dude, we don't have any credibility because everything we're reviewing in the magazine is like five stars, right? Or or, you know, a 10 or whatever." Yeah. You got to have some crappy stuff in there and tell people it's crappy. And uh, so, yeah, so we always made sure we found one crappy product every month. And yeah. That was it. What other, what other sacrificial lambs do we have? Oh, man. Were you, there, were you there when we had the no bull riding vest? Yes. Yeah. And that, I think I modeled it. No, no. Or Garth, no, Garth, 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 Garth modeled it, yeah. it with his hand over his face like he was embarrassed. That's what he was, and he should have been. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... The no bull riding vest was... Uh, it came from uh, it, rodeo. From bull riding, yeah, yeah, rodeo. The rodeo riders would wear this uh, this like short sleeve. or No, it was a vest and sleeveless, right? But it was like ballistic nylon with yeah. padding. It was like... I like think a, Garth went out to Paris and he actually rode in it. Oh, yeah, I rode in it at Kawia. It was funny. <laughs> I remember Craig Decker was like looking at me like, what are you doing, Don? But, uh, that thing was so bulky too. Definitely. It was big. It was big. Yeah, so, um, and then just moving on, I guess, right? So, um, in 03 of April, so it was almost two years there, um, Answer, um, who was the guy that was Answer? It was, uh, he went on to Smith after he left. Mark Ferris? No. No, oh, Drew, Drew Kerger. Nope. No? No. I forgot his name. Gosh, that, that's terrible of me. But anyway, they were looking for a marketing manager or yeah, a brand Fiori, manager. Fiori put the, the, connected the dots over yeah. you, right? Yeah, so, um. Um, you're like, dude, you need to go do that job. You'll kill it. That's, mm -hmm. that's right up your alley. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because back then answer was the anarchy a, mm -hmm. and, uh, what that was Larry Ward era. No. Right? So when I got there, um, it was team ECC mm. and it was Nick way. Yeah. Those are the two. Yeah. Oh, and Mike Jones team ECC with the, uh, the bumblebee and the yep. green seats on their Suzuki's. Yep. But see, that kit was cool. That kit was. The you ECC see, you can remember that kit like yeah, right now it in was, your head. It was the craziest color combination. Super bright yellow frames. Yeah, so it worked. But uh, but yeah, so okay, so you went to answer, and uh, I've always, uh, whenever I speak to somebody about you and about our friendship, I go, dude, 
Biggie is the guy who jump-started answer into the modern era and made it cool again. Yeah, that because, was... Because, uh, I mean, in, in spite of how rad that ECC kit was, the company didn't have much image yeah. back then. Well, I think, too, like when I got there, I was like, the first thing I wanted to do is get a set of gear and go riding in it, and it was <laughs> it fit so bad, like the, the <laughs> materials. it was. I think it was well-made, but it was just, it was outdated. You know, it definitely needed not only a brand rehaul, but a... I mean, the product rehaul in, mm -hmm. in every sense of the form. And then also I did um, when I was there, you know, back at that time, Answer and Pro Taper were the same brand. It was mm -hmm. the answer. They called, like, I remember Answer going Pro to, Taper was yeah. how they answered the phone. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I remember going into the Omaha pits and they're like, oh, here comes the Answer guy. Answer Pro Taper, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I, I went to, uh, to Tuckeraki at the time. I'm like, we need to split these brands. Mm -hmm. it, Pro Taper needs to be its own brand. And I tell people, you know, one of the, my favorite things to think about, like when, um, when I went there in, um, in 03, we had like one handlebar. It was the Easton bar in silver or gold mm -hmm. in like four bends or something. Yeah. And we made um, a full waffle, I think, in a half waffle grip. And we sold um, like maybe 4,500 grips in mm -hmm. a year. And when I left there, I think we were approaching like 260,000 grips. Mm. And so just like the repackaging, there was so much stuff to do with Pro Taper. And I loved always, you know, coming from the BMX side and, and GT, I always loved, loved dealing with hard parts. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what Pro Taper was. And I'm like, Pro Taper needs to be its own brand. It needs to be separated from Answer. So within a year, we did that. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, the, the, the rest is history, you know, yeah, we started so when making you were, grips and all, all the different. In, in your time there? It was still at Easton Bar, correct? Were yeah. you there in the transition from mm -hmm. when it went to Easton and something else? Yep. So why did Pro Taper stop using Easton? Was it became cost prohibitive? Was it too expensive? Yeah, I think I think one of the main reasons is Easton's went through a lot of transition over the years too. But at that time they were transitioning, um, and they were basically said, you know, we're making four hundred dollar baseball bats. We can't make them fast enough. We we don't have any room for this making these handlebars mm -hmm. anymore, and we're we're transitioning to different factories, and we're like, uh oh. And um, at the time, um, uh, Scott Boyer came on board, and uh, Scott Boyer is a, is a is a lifelong moto came from the ski industry, I think, if I'm correct. But um, Scott was influential in the early days of Scott Boots, like mm -hmm. he was the one of the guys that developed that boot with Hannah, mm -hmm. and then um, did some stuff with HRP, his his, his flak jack that he made. Anyway, Scott just has a lot of uh, connections overseas in Taiwan and different places. And he, he was really, um, I was kind of the catalyst to like, hey, we need to make this product. And Scott was like, okay, I know the right places to go to get it mm -hmm. made. So, and did so, you take essentially the technology in the Easton bar and maintain the same style, the taper, taper wall, and all that, right? But you just had it in Asia? Yeah. So, one of the things that's, uh, and I'm still a fan of today, I think Pro Taper makes the best product still because I, I they continue to make the, the bar that we, the Evo bar, which mm -hmm. is really the next evolution. That's why we called it Evo from mm -hmm. the Easton bar. So, um, yeah, we took that Easton bar and I said, how, you know, I looked at it and I'm like, how are we going to make this bar better than it already is? Everybody just thinks this is the best handlebar. And if mm -hmm. we move to a different factory, they're going to say, well, this bar's cheaper or they did something to it. It's not as good. Mm -hmm. So that's when we started putting cut marks on it. And we started putting, uh, we knurled the bar because at the East time, Easton wouldn't knurl the bar. They're mm -hmm. just like, Hey, it's going to decrease the strength of the handlebar. I'm like, it's at the end, not where the stresses yeah. of the handlebar yeah. is. So you know, we transitioned into a different factory and we went through so many, so many, so many tests. And one of the things that we found out early on, this is, this is really interesting too. So we never had any, any issue with corrosion 
mm-hmm. from Easton, right? But since these handlebars were being made overseas and we were bringing them on a boat, um, we were finding corrosion inside, inside the handlebar. Them, yeah. So one of the cool things that we did before we brought the handlebar out was um, we um, there's a coating inside the handlebar mm-hmm. after they make it and, and, and draw it and do the things that they do to it. Um, to protect it from corrosion. Oh, okay. So not only that help that helps coming on the boat across the the water, but it it actually when you're washing your bike and stuff, yeah, it, yeah. it just gives the the bar longevity. You know. Yeah. You so know, just a little tidbit. You know, what's funny about you saying Easton said, "Oh, we don't have time for this." Is shortly thereafter, Easton came out with their own bar. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, uh, so the standard bar is seven eighths, and then the pro taper is one and three eighths. Right. And then went with a 35, like super oversized, like right? gigantic, right? Yeah. This giant bar. And, uh, they, they made a run at making their own handlebars and they were really strange looking. I remember they look like, uh, the radiuses. Yeah. The radiuses yeah. where it bent up and then bent out. It yeah. was very, very, yeah. That's one of the things that we really paid attention to on the pro taper stuff. Mm-hmm. It had to look smooth. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's actually how I met my buddy Sean Estes. Though he was yeah. at he was at Easton, sponsoring the Yamaha Troy team. But but anyway, okay. So um, with answer though, what was your vision there? Because like it was this kind of stale, anarchy a brand, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I your first, first all, rider was Ernie, right? Yeah. So I'm I was always like as I branded a Powerlight when I was back at GT, I learned a lot about branding and coloring and all those type of things when when just working with a brand. So when I got the answer, I was like, what is this a, it's not even, it's just, it's anarchy. It doesn't mean anything about the brand, yeah. you know? So I was like, we need a, we need a, an overhaul what the, what the look is. And so, um, Lewis, wh- who was working at Transworld at the time, mm-hmm. um, I asked him to come up with a new brand ID and that's where that new a come from that, that was that we debuted on yeah, Ernesto. The and, um, yeah. So, and then we transformed the pants and different materials and, it just took off from there, you yeah. know. And one of the first things I'm like, we need a high end athlete, you mm-hmm. know. And I was, I'm like, well, and and again, so one of those things I knew Ernie from just hanging around with Ernest or uh, Jeremy at the mm-hmm. time because mm-hmm. Ernesto was always hanging around Button and those guys. So um, so I went after Ernie. I said, hey, I'd, you're going to be our marquee guy, you're the only guy on answer. We're mm-hmm. going to give you a lot of love. And uh, and then Jimmy Button was his agent at yeah. the time. Yeah. So it's kind of all in the family still, you know. You know what's funny about that is I remember, uh, didn't you? You had to get creative with the signing bonus, right? And you guys lease him some fancy cars. On yeah, the, yeah. So it was I a said, Range Rover. Yep, it was a Range Rover. Yep, and uh, we basically took care of the lease for that for a year. I'm like, hey, this is kind of your signing bonus. We'll take care of this for a year, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he would have done it still, but it was kind of one of those things. They're like. I think people saw that and kind of it put us on the map again. Like, oh, answers. Oh, what are they? You know, we're making moves. You know. Yeah. So it was cool. It's kind of along the lines of, uh, like, you know, the original answer with Eddie Cole. Like, didn't he buy Hannah a Ferrari or something? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, so so you guys paid the lease for that for a year, and then he had to take it over. I think he turned it in after a year. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. He would, he loved that car at the beginning. And at the end, he's like, that thing's a bucket of bolts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Funny. I hear so many bad things about Range Rovers falling apart. And everything. Yep. But uh, yeah, it was certainly cool. I remember he, Ernie rolled up to my uh, photo studio to shoot something in it. And I was looking at the inside and the thing looked like a spaceship or something. Yeah. It was cool. But uh, okay. So then uh, um, was Ernie with Answer when he got hurt? 
Yeah. He was. Yep, that was in March yeah, yeah. of 06. Yep. Okay, so at that time, was he still the only rider you had? No. Um, uh, professionally, yeah, he was. So we were bringing, at that time, Dungy was on our amateur squad. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were bringing him up, but um, it was just Ernesto at that time. And then actually on the, on the professional side, sorry, my bad, we did the subway team yeah, back yeah. then. So Average Jason Joe. Thomas, yeah. Joe Olaf, and uh, Jeff, uh, I forgot his name, last name. Will, is it Will? Not Wilson. Begins of the W. Hmm. Anyway, he was from Ohio. Okay. I for, gosh, I'm sorry. I forget people's names. It's been so long, <laughs> you know. But uh, there was three guys on that team, yeah. and uh, and uh, the the sub the subway team was our mm-hmm. kind of our um, B squad, so to speak. You know. Yeah. So, uh, what was that like with when for you when Ernie got hurt? Because I mean, I know you guys are super tight, and it was devastating. I mean, I got the call, and they're like, uh, I forgot who called me, and they're like, Yeah, uh, Ernesto crashed. He's in Marina Valley. Um, he can't move his legs, and I'm just like. I told Doug Keller at the time, which was the, he was our design guy. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to see Ernie. Something bad happened. Yeah. And I went in there and I couldn't see him because he was, they were, they had him in surgery already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy, dude. I, we just, it was just devastating for our brand. We wound up, um, you know, I had to go to Tuckerocky and I said, Hey, look, our athlete got hurt. We need to pay him. Mm-hmm. We need to, we need to take care of his contract all the way through. And then, um, and then moving through, I said, Hey, I'd like to bring him. I'd like to keep him on board in some kind of advisory role. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember it was my last year there in 08 or 07. Remember we made the Ernesto gear it was red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. And it had mm-hmm. the 10 emblems and stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. Came with uh, a little rubber wristband with <laughs> yeah. the, with the 10 yeah. Fonseca 10 on it. Um, that was, that was one of my favorite sets of gear to work on. That mm-hmm. was so cool. But, but yeah, just. Ernie being with the brand was so powerful. I just felt like we had to give back to him mm-hmm. because no one, no one trusted me. No one knew who I was really in the industry and I needed a pro guy and he came to the table, you yeah. know, and, um, at the time Bob Weber was at, um, Troy Lee and he was, he got so mad at me. Like, <laughs> yeah. He, he's like, you, like, I think he, he thought we stole Ernie or whatever. I can't remember, but me and Bob are great friends now. But mm-hmm. at the time it was like, there was this, how can you, how dare you take our rider? I'm yeah. like, let's just offer him more money. <laughs> but, so, uh, and plus he was going to be the spotlight guy. You yeah. Know? yeah. So it so, was hard making gear for him, man. He was like, you know, size 28. Well, he was undersized 28. Cause you know, adult sizes go to 28. Yeah. He was skinnier than 28. Yeah. So he was the size of a jockey, man. He's so, so tiny. Yeah. So little. Do you still, uh, talk to Ernie here and there? Like oh, when yeah, he comes to yeah. the States? Yeah. He I was, he was in California like uh, three, four weeks ago, and he, uh, he he hit me up, and we were trying to get him on the show, but it, it didn't line up. Yeah, he's such a character. Like, it's so funny. Twenty years can go by with that guy. I see him at Supercrosses and here and there, and I text him, and I see him on Instagram racing his wheelchair and stuff, and that's so rad that he's doing that. Mm-hmm. But um, he's just the same stinking guy, yeah, dude. He's, he's got all the all the all the nicknames <laughs> yeah. for everybody, and. It's just like he's such a unique dude, it, yeah. but um, but I'm like I just so grateful that he came when we needed a guy. He stepped up and came, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the coolest things I've done probably through the years, is that, you know, I, I was on uh, like a family vacation in Costa Rica, but I, I told my my wife I was like, hey, I need a, a day to just go do something, and I drove, I drove and uh, went and visited Ernie at home. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was just crazy. Like, 
you think of like, you know, his house that he has and down in Menifee or whatever, this nice house. And yeah. I went there to his house and I was just like, dude, like, not, I don't want to say the word ghetto, but I mean, the country's different, right? Sure. But his yeah. whole house is like wrought iron gates around everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, of course, he's rolling in a Benz, but he has everything <laughs> locked up. And he said, you know, if, if he didn't have those gates, people would break in and steal yeah. stuff. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I it's mean, crazy. He, my dad, um, this is pretty fun. My, my dad passed away back in 09, but he had a, um, uh, a beach house on the Pacific side. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like on that where they were, like if the if those people were gone away for any length of time, these people would come in and just ransack the house all the way down to the wires. They would hmm. take, like when and when those people would come back, there's nothing left. Really? So that's probably why he yeah. just guards everything, you know? Definitely. Yeah, it was, it was cool hanging out. I mean, he had like a he had a full time helper girl down there, with him, like taking care of him. And, that's cool. But uh, yeah, that, that was a good time going to see him down there. And then we did that. Uh, when he was uh, in, was it Colorado? He was in the rehab center. We had that like little party for him. That's right. Yep. Yep. That was, uh, I forgot what the, that place was called. That's the world famous spine center. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Good I guy remember for going sure. up there for sure. Okay. So um, you worked with Dungey too then, right? Like, yep. Through his amateurs. And what so, did you think when he called you and said, hey, I'm going from intermediate to the factory team? <laughs> Um, so the funny thing about that is, um, so what was happening at the time, um, he was riding for Suzuki and, um, Brock Hepler was hurt mm-hmm. and it was, it was this, um, transition time, uh, at the time between, um, him, he wanting to go pro. He was a B obviously in the B class. He wanted to go pro. And I remember at, um, <clears throat> I remember that year because we were pretty good friends with me and Troy and, and Michelle. So I remember um, he wanted to, his dad, they were going to sign with WBR. Mm. We're going pro. We're going to race that, WBR. Yeah. I'm like, you're not racing for WBR. Yeah. You're not going to do that. Let me talk to Roger because Roger and I had gained um, a lot of respect for each other. One of the things that um, I tell people to, like I don't tell the story a lot, but we had a batch of pro taper bars that went bad. Mm-hmm. And I dropped them off here. And I didn't know it at the time, but they were the, they were uncoated basically mm-hmm. at the time inside. And so I said, uh, I went back over, I came back over here to Yoshimura Racing. I'm like, dude, don't use any of those handlebars. They're junk. Throw them away, cut them in half. Mm-hmm. And I think ever since that day, Roger respected me for doing that because I didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, those bars could have failed and hurt people. And I think always from that point on, Roger really respected me. So we just had a great relationship with for the pro taper stuff. So... I said, hey, let me talk to Roger at that time for, mm-hmm. for Ryan. I'm like, hey, because he was Cole Gress's guy. Yeah. And I, I don't know if Cole and Roger really got along at that time. So I said, hey, Rog, um, this kid is fast, man. You will not believe how fast his corner speed is. It's it, Because I remember Michael Young would tell me, like, dude, he, he has the fastest corner speed I've, I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then I would go watch him ride. I'm like, it's insane how fast he, he is, you know. And he was always – when he came out and stayed with Michael and Kristen Young at the time, they would always tell me he's doing push-ups, he's doing this, he's just so into his training, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so anyway, um, we got him, and Roger said, "Hey, bring him." This is at at um, Vegas. He said, "Bring him out to um, Glen Helen on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be testing. I'll bring Brock Hepler's bike out, and uh, and we'll see if he's any good." 
Mm-hmm. And I remember we got there that morning. He wouldn't eat anything, dude. He, he was so nervous. <laughs> and uh, we got there. Me, it was me, him, and Kristen. And we went out there. And uh, and uh, and I remember he sat on Brock's bike. And they're like, "How's it feel? Everything good?" He's like, "Oh, it's all good." Like, you don't want to move the levers? Nope, just sleeping where they are. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he got on the bike. And I remember Ricky was on the track at the time. And uh, he he got on the he he got on the uh, on the track right away and just started pinning it. Uh-huh. And he rode. I think he crashed or rode Ricky off the track on the first or second lap. <laughs> and he stayed out there for like twenty five minutes. Uh-huh. Like didn't need to. He just like ran the bike out of gas or something. You yeah. know. And Roger was like, "Holy cow, he is good." You know. Yeah. So then he came back in. They did some adjustments, and he felt comfortable. And he went out there, and every and Ian and everybody was just like, "Wow," mm. like he's really got something so from then i tried to help him as much as i could and then tony Gardia was his agent at the time mm-hmm. and then um and then the rest is history it was one of those things where like roger saw things that and just guided him along the way and it and it happened and people were like you can't bring a b guy into the club I'm like yeah this isn't your normal b rider yeah <laughs> for sure you know so yeah, and it's crazy. funny how how um how Ryan came to be on the team because there was a shop up in Minnesota that like, Hey, we have this team. They're on no fear on no fear and no fear only wanted to sponsor Ryan, not the, uh, not Blake and, and Jade. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michelle was always like, we're team Dungeon. You sponsor the brothers or you don't get anybody. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. I, I want to sponsor. I, I like that family thing. And so yeah. that's how he actually came to be on answer is oh, nice. we sponsored the whole family. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, like during your time in answer, what would you say you're the single uh, most proud of? Something that you did? I just, I think, I think there's two things, right? So it's Pro Taper too. So I think just the brand of Pro Taper coming from, like I said, the one handlebar and one grip to the wide brand that it was when I left. Mm-hmm. That was, I was really proud of that. Um, and then on the answer side, just really working with the athletes, you know, anybody from Ernesto to Dave Villeman to, um, to Ryan, um, to Hanny, mm-hmm. um, it just, it, there's so many, there was so many cool aspects. So I, I had, I feel like I had this, 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 uh, these two worlds I worked in because I could work in the gear stuff and I could and do this cool thing yeah. and then we could make some really cool things with hard parts, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was a really fun time. And then obviously when I left answer, they split those brands apart. And there was another, there was a manager that did pro taper and there's one that did answer. Mm-hmm. So it got big enough to where they needed two different guys to do what I was doing when I left. So yeah, I was kind of stoked on that too. I'm like, Oh, I was doing two guys job, you know? <laughs> so, so let's back up a little bit. Josh Hansen. <laughs> Hanny. The, the ad of him. He's crouched down, but did, did you have to buy him some crazy car too? For, no, for no. A signing bonus? Uh, no, I, um, I can't remember what we did for Hanny. But I know that the ad, he was factory KTM Red Bull. Yeah. We had to make all custom gear because Red Bull was so adamant about their logo and where it was. And I remember that. That was, that was, and it, and here's the other thing I remember about that. We made all this gear for Hanny, and I think he raced four races that year. And they blew out his back. Right? Yeah. Or his knee, back, elbow, whatever. Yeah. So, but the ad. Hundies for Hanny. Yeah. <laughs> That he, I forgot. he was crouching down by a car, and it was like, Hundies ain't nothing for little handy. Yeah. Right? So where did the uh, concept for that ad come from, and was he pumped on it? I don't remember if he was that pumped on it at the time. He's like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it. I can't remember what his attitude was, but 
um, I'm like, hey, dude, you're just like, you're this baller guy. And, yeah. we, and I had this uh, this one-off answer, like baller tee, which was hot back then. You know, everybody was wearing those basketball tees. Yeah. Um, those those tank tops. And uh, I'm like, dude, just wear your answer hat and just you just lean down by your dubs. And <laughs> and it was like, it's because my whole thing is like, I wanted to bring out the personality in writers, yeah. you know? And that was Hanny at the time, you know? Definitely. And uh, yeah, he was into it. And then obviously... <laughs> You remember it, you know, that's the one thing I remember just even growing up racing BMX and looking at the magazines, even the really bad ads, not that that handy ad was bad, but there was so many good and bad ads, but you remember remember certain things of them, right? Yeah, there it is. (laughs) He's showing to me now. Definitely. The answer, basketball tee. Yep. Or he already had like half a sleeve back then. Yeah. He looks like he's like 17. Yeah. He looks so young there. And a Boost Mobile hat. Yep. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny yeah so yeah so you hired him uh i'm sure he was he was going to be the next and so my whole idea with hiring him is like oh dude donnie hansen the next generation hull shot hammy like yeah and he's going to be on the ktm and he's gonna he almost won the title that year mm-hmm. he, you know it was when they switched that was the advent of the 254 stroke too right around then right for ktm I think it was. I can't remember if it was two-stroke or four-stroke. I don't remember. But I do remember he, he won some races that year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, he's going he's gonna to actually win the championship. And then whatever happened, I don't remember who wound up winning it. Like, I don't, he hurt his back. Yeah. I just remember that. But uh, was that an expensive rider back then? Like, to me, that, like back so, then, the whole hundreds for handies. Like, he was making a lot of money back then, I remember. And he, I've done an interview with him in the, since and he said that he was like you know loaded and done with his money and spent it all or whatever but mm, yeah i think we paid him pretty good but i remember that i heard some numbers that the ktm contract was like a three-year deal and mm-hmm. it was a lot of money and i'm like oh my gosh dude there's no there's no lights guy getting that money nobody yeah you know yeah wow okay so what happened after answer you went- so yeah so after answer i went to uh uh, Eddie Cole called me at, towards the end. That's right. Yeah, and uh, and I talked to uh, it, there was some there's some kind of shady stuff that went down with the, with um, Brian's contract, mm-hmm. and at the same time, uh, Eddie Cole was calling me because he saw because at the time when I went to answer, he was actually a consultant for Tucker Rocky, mm-hmm. going trying to find the next guy. John Grice, John was Grice, the, yeah, was yeah, the guy yeah, at answer. Yeah. So they were trying to find the next guy to do that, and and. Um, and uh, and Eddie Cole was kind of the guy interviewing people, and so Eddie interviewed me, and then told Takaraki, "This is the guy you need to hire." He told me that mm-hmm. that he told them that. And so when this stuff went down with Dungey, I called Ryan. I'm like, "Hey, dude, I'm out of here. I'm not. I'm. This is. I don't agree with what they're doing." And I really. Um, and he's like, "If you're not here, we're leaving. We're done." Mm-hmm. And he wrote for answer for one more year to fill out his contract, and then and the one industries thing happened, and he went right to Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Eddie Cole called me and he's like, "Hey, I need your marketing expertise up here. I want you to run. I've got Tag, I've got Sunline, I've got, you know, Six Six One. I've got all these brands, and mm-hmm. uh, we just have an investor, and you're the guy to, to. I know you can make these things churn. I've watched what you've done with Answer and Pro Taper, so I'd love to have you up here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's perfect timing, you know. So uh, went up to Valencia. Was up there probably. Three, four days a week. I didn't mm-hmm. have to, you know, because I was living in Orange yeah. at the time. And so I didn't have to be there right at eight, eight o'clock in the morning. And I could kind of stay till after the traffic was done. So it actually worked out really well. 
And um, yeah, so I was there for, I ran the, um, when I was there, I ran the 661 brand and as well as the um, Sunline brand when mm -hmm. I was there. And then Sean Norfolk was there and he ran Tag and, um, what was the filter brand? I forgot the, uh, Filtron. Filtron. He yeah, ran Filtron yeah. there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we were there. I was there for probably, I think it was a total of a year and a half, almost mm -hmm. two years. And um, that the the investment group that bought One Industries Triple Seven basically ran One Industries and um, and Six Six One Valencia Sport Group at the time with mm -hmm. all the brands right in the ground, like yeah. just a one bad decision after another. So Eddie called me and he's like, "Hey, I don't know how to tell you this." I'm like, "I get it. You know, I respect the heck out of you, and mm -hmm. I would have done the same thing all over again. No problem. Yeah, I I, I get it." So, um, yeah, so that was the end of that. And I went to, after that, I went to work for an online bike company that was probably way ahead of its time with this guy that was really weird. Um, <laughs> w wasn't really into bikes. Yeah. Um, owned a, uh, a big online bike, um, mail order kind of house. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, I think he hired over the course of a year and a half, about eight guys to build mm -hmm. this bike brand. And it was just an online bike brand, no no dealers. Mm -hmm. um, and I kept telling them, I'm like, we got to have demo tours. We got to do this, this, and this because people aren't going to buy these really expensive bikes unless they can ride them. Yeah. And so the day we flipped the website on, <clears throat> after building the building and building, the day we flipped the website on, um, the sales weren't there. After a couple of months, he's like, okay. He basically let, every, let everybody go. So uh. I'm like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Like, is that when you became a professional cyclist for a year? No, it was a little bit after that. So, <laughs> so my buddy Simon Cudby, um, he's had so many photography gigs, and he was I was kind of his professional helper with when he did team shoots and mm -hmm. when we went. And so he's like, "Hey, you know, while you're consulting and doing whatever you're doing, um, I'll help you do your, you know, help you put food on the table, so mm -hmm, to speak, mm -hmm. you know." Um, and so it was around. Uh, that was around 2011, 12. And then um, that was when I became a professional cyclist <laughs> and raced over the hump yeah. and got third place in the Clydesdale class that year. Yeah, I was, I was probably, at that time, I was probably 224 pounds or so. Mm -hmm. And I was, and you have to be uh, over 200 to be in the Clydesdale class. Yeah. Well, the other two guys that beat me that year and over the hump, they were 198, dude. <laughs> I wanted to bring a scale to the start line. Like, there's no way you're 200 pounds. Yeah. Right? So anyway, yeah, that was so. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then so uh, in the beginning of 13, I was not, sorry, it's the middle of 13. I came to work at Yoshimura. Um, it was the summer of 13 when mm -hmm. I came here. Mm -hmm. Hi, this is Dean Wilson from the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory racing team. Right now, Husqvarna Motorcycles has many different incentives to put you on the bike of your dreams. Visit an authorized Husqvarna Motorcycles dealer to take advantage of limited time offers on the innovative street models, versatile dual sports, and even competitive minis for the kids. Check out Husqvarna-Motorcycles.com offers to learn more today. For over six decades, Scott Motorsports has pushed the limits of innovation, providing our customers with the most advanced technology available. Scott is honored to be the exclusive eyewear sponsor of the SWAT Moto Live podcast. Athletes such as Chad Reed, Justin Barsha, and myself, Adam Ciantrillo, require the best performance. 
which is why we choose the Scott Prospect Goggle. Recognized as the number one goggle in racing, Scott is proud to be made in the USA. Check out scott-sports.com to see their complete line of high-performance goggles. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer, and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So, yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross-country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails, or if you want to go a bit further, longer, and faster, they, they just brought out a new Taser e-bike, which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on. So. Head down to your local Intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out, guys. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota of Escondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Riders like Justin Cooper, Dylan Ferrandis, Eli Tomac, Adam Entingnap, Josh Hansen, and more partner with Works Chassis Lab for engine mounts and other special parts to add comfort to and enhance the handling characteristics of their bikes. With championships and race wins to prove it, Works Chassis Lab Parts provides the winning edge. Visit WorksChassisLab.com for more information. So, um, you know, I, I know you've been here since then. Yep. And... Uh, what is uh what what did you get hired in to do? So that was really interesting too because um at the time uh Dave Waugh and Chris Glaspell were here and mm-hmm. I was I was um I knew they needed help and they actually created a position they didn't have here and it mm-hmm. was a, a communications direct manager direct I don't remember what it was called but they actually they they basically created a position for me to come work here. Mm-hmm. And uh and I was like, this is so cool. I've been out of work for like a year and a half or something, mm-hmm. trying to find something. And then this company not only hires me, but they see something in me to just, like, we need to put him somewhere, get him in here, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I became, you know, basically dealing with the distributors, making sure photography gets done right. And just, again, pouring my passion into a brand, which at Yoshimura was really easy to do because the, the level of uh, quality and, and history of this brand is just, it's way beyond what really everybody can just, just mm-hmm. can really touch, you know? And, uh, so it was just like this, like a dream come true working here, you know? So, and, uh, it was cool too. When I first started working here for the first like year or two, like I would come in these meetings and everybody would be like, why is he so happy? I'm like, <laughs> you guys don't understand. Like, look at the cool brand and like, yeah. you guys get to work. Like, 
these race teams in Honda. Yeah, and, and then, like, but I mean, at that time, I mean, you were, it was kind of crazy, right? Because there was the factory Suzuki race shop across the street. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and it was your team. Yeah. Yes, it was just, it was one of these things. That, and not like I was a fanboy, mm-hmm. but I was going, gosh, do you, do you guys realize what we have here? Like, yeah. we have factory Honda, factory Geico, you know, the, the 250 team, and then we have the Suzuki effort across the street. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this, like, I don't know. I just, I really appreciated. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny when you, you're taken out of an element and then you put back in, you appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. That was me. And yeah. still am. I'm still so psyched to be here. And I think Yusaku, which is the president of the company now, um, everybody sees my passion for, I probably do a lot of things unorthodox, but they're like, oh, he's into it. Just let him do what yeah. he wants to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Definitely. So, well, what was it, uh, what was it like having the Suzuki team across the street? I mean, was it? I mean, One did, word, did, chaos, did, chaos. chaos. <laughs> because at the time, um, just just the Suzuki program, James, he was all over the place with, with what was going on. And, and um, you know, there was always some bid to try to steal the factory team away from uh, away from this building. And it's like, you know, and, and one of the things that's been really cool is getting to know Don Sakakura, which mm-hmm. was the president of the company for so long. And, you know, back in um, one of the things I've learned is back in 10 or 11, whenever the bankruptcy happened with uh, Suzuki, you know, Suzuki came to Don and said, hey, we need somebody to run this motocross program. It's going mm-hmm. sideways. And Don said, okay, we'll do it. Like, yeah. He didn't want to do it. He just, for Suzuki's effort, he's mm-hmm. like, okay, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. So he brought it in-house. And I think at the time we, we paid all the employees for Suzuki and Suzuki would kind of pay us. And so, mm-hmm. because all that stuff moved out of Suzuki, yeah. you know. Um, so it was just funny, a, a lot of that uh that chaotic thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I see this really mellow guy, Don Sakakura, which <laughs> I, I kind of, I think of him as Yoda, you know, because mm-hmm. like he never, I'd never seen him getting so excited, like beyond, he never gets up or down. He's just always this steady, great, yeah. you know, always go to him for advice and stuff. And he always gives this great advice, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, all the time there's this, like RCH wants to do this and that, you know, somebody else is trying to take Suzuki and blah, blah, blah. And, and he's just like, what is, what is, what is this all about? Like, yeah. why, why? Because you know, on the on the off road side or motocross side is so different than road racing for mm-hmm. him, because that's where he's been his whole life. And um, to see all this, you know, you know, it's funny. He's like, I don't understand why these companies let other riders, you know, on the off season or you know, they secretly ride these other brands. It's like, if you're on a road racing team, you'd be fired in a heartbeat if you're riding something else or yeah. testing something else. Yeah. You know, so it's just a different element, but. But yeah, across the street, it was uh, it was crazy. I remember at one time the one of the RCH guys, I can't remember who it was, but Hans, the truck driver for the road race team, mm-hmm. he told those guys, "Do not park there. I need to get in and out with the truck." Uh-huh. And they parked there, and he took the forklift, he picked their car up, and he moved it oh, like, down the other end of the uh, lot. It was like, yeah, there was that stuff happening. <laughs> did uh, did you see James much around here? No, no, he was around here once or twice that I remember. He wasn't. Uh, it's like once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Who's uh, who are like the riders that you see the most? Or like, I mean, when I pulled up today, Tim Geyser was here, the world champion, right in the driveway. Yeah, he's but, here. Uh, he's here most of the time. <laughs> he hangs out. He comes <laughs> hangs out. Yeah, we well, know I mean, when he's there, in America, we hang. <laughs> are, are there any riders that like frequent, like stop by, or is it less uh, traffic because? You know, the race shop's not there. 
Yeah, um, since the race shop obviously is is moved, that's that's it's definitely thinned out. But we get guys like Gary Sutherland comes by all the time because mm-hmm. he's you know he's a he's an off road guy that we're always like um, he's a great rider to look at what he's doing in mufflers and exhaust because he's just I always, I call him the butcher because mm-hmm. he just he can break and ruin anything. Yeah. So he's like so he's a great guy. So he's in he's in here a lot and uh, just a lot of the privateers that come through. Um, when we were doing stuff with Moto Concepts, Tony Alessi was in here all the time. Because mm-hmm. part of our program, one of the things that Yoshimura does really good is we um, um, we just don't send somebody out with an exhaust. Um, our stuff is built to be rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And so we encourage privateers all the way up to the highest end team race teams. And what we do with even a factory Honda and, and the Suzuki guys is um, all these mufflers are on rotation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it goes from race to practice bike back here. Oh, and okay. so there's there's mufflers so i don't know how the other brands do it but i i understand that you know from just bringing riders over here from other brands like, like yeah you just use it till it breaks and throw it away huh. <laughs> it's like that's not how we do with our stuff so yeah. our stuff is made to be serviced so a lot of, we see a lot of um, um guys coming in bringing their stuff to be serviced mm-hmm. you know drop it off for a repack or something might be dented we put a new can on it mm-hmm. um so that's kind of cool that's it, it it keeps the um I guess what we do here is a little different from mm-hmm. what the other brands do. And then we get to see the riders or the, the team managers or whoever coming in. Yeah. So the, uh, you know, the Geico team, they're doing all their R and D there at the race shop and stuff. So we actually help them a little bit with R and D on the, on the, uh, exhaust and yeah. the engine so side. Do so. they bring their like factory engines here to get dynoed or do you guys go there? Sometimes we do that. Um, uh, when Kibby was involved, I'm not sure if he's involved in stuff or any anymore, but, um, they would, we basically calibrate each other's dyno. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd run stuff on our dyno run stuff on theirs and make sure that it's, it's acting right. Um, but yeah, um, Kibby would always be wanting to try something different. Like, Hey, how can we get an extra, a little bit here and a little bit there? And that's what Ichi was always uh, Ichi is our is our yeah. factory Honda guy that he's I, got two guys Ichiro Nakaya. Yeah. Um he uh he's basically the head of the Honda program here that he uh he builds all the the factory stuff for Japan, the Japan Japanese team Akira Narita. Mm-hmm. Um the MXGP guys, Geyser, mm-hmm. um American Honda as well as Geico Honda. So he's got really four race teams to supply product to. Mm-hmm. When there were single mufflers that was pretty easy. But then in 13, stuff started turning dual again, and it yeah. got to be such a, uh, a daunting task that he needed to hire some guys underneath him. So he's got two guys working mm-hmm. underneath him now. So, uh, but yeah, I'd say with Geico, we're, we worked, we still work really, really uh, close with them and really developing the motor slash uh, exhaust part of what their 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 program is. Mm-hmm. Hey, remember when uh, Honda came out with the dual exhaust like? several companies would make a single out of it like mm-hmm. you know just because the the general public's like ah that you're gonna crash break two mufflers and spend all this money and everything and you guys never made a single but then at the same time i found out that, like honda won't pay pro contingency to a rider that has a single on but is there a reason you guys never went single or just stuck with this oem double yeah i'd say i think the um there's a couple of reasons one um i think if we made a single if we did uh, it would kind of like poo-poo the the uh, the Honda engineers that are saying, "Hey, this duel is the best thing for this mm-hmm. bike, right?" Mm-hmm. So that's one. Um, two, the factory team would never run it. Yeah. And number three, that chassis was built around having two mufflers on mm-hmm. it. So when you put a single on it, the uh, the chassis acts differently. 
Mm. Um, and so with the flexing and, and just all of it. So, um, we just like to think that we enhance the, the, the design of the bike by the way we, we built our with exhaust. So yeah, definitely. So, um, and the single just the, looks weird when it's supposed to have a yeah it's right just, yeah. yeah and then you have to change the side panel yeah and it's just it has there. to be really long too to to create the power that yeah. you're trying to so is uh is the stuff built here or is it built in Japan is it built in China yeah no China yeah most of our stuff's built in China yeah. no <laughs> Japanese company yeah no so um, a lot of people don't realize there's a there's there's actually um, well there's three now but there's um, there was two. Uh, just recently, there's a third one that we have a Yoshimura Asia, mm-hmm. which uh, they're based in Thailand, and they make more um, Pacific Rim small scooter stuff, mm-hmm. just like 150 cc and under for yeah. that market. Yeah. Um, and then there's Yoshimura Japan, which is kind of we I call it the mothership. Yeah. They're tons tons smaller than us, but they they make the jewelry. You know, they make the hand bent stuff. Just it's really. Um, it costs more and mm-hmm. it's very, it's very, uh, elite. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, Yoshimura R and D of America, we make, um, the off-road systems for worldwide. Mm-hmm. So Yoshimura Japan makes street systems. So do we. Yeah. And Yoshimura Japan's market is, is Europe, um, Pacific Rim, um, some other parts of the world, but those are the two, the two main, main, um, uh, territories for them. And so, and then Yoshimura R and D makes street stuff and our, and our territory is North, Central, South America, and Australia. So that's kind of our playground where we, they make their own separate street stuff. We make our own separate street stuff, mm-hmm. but we make the off-road systems worldwide for the company. Okay. So, so they're two separate companies, Yeah, but same kind of same ownership. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a weird thing, but that's kind of how it, how it is. But we make everything here uh, in the U.S. from uh, um, uh, um, all raw materials. So Okay, so that, that exhaust that we just put on our... CRF 250R 2020 bike that was made in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, we make everything here from raw materials. Whether it, the tubing, um, the only process processes we don't do here, we even do the composites here across the street where the where the race shop is. Mm-hmm. Um, we make the composites here. So the only processes we don't do, we don't do any finishing like anodizing. Mm-hmm. Don't do any of that here. Um, um, we don't do any badges or stickers. So that stuff's not done here. But everything else, we don't make springs. Mm-hmm. But everything else is made here from from raw materials. So we have about 110 or 120 employees. Wow! Yeah. Wait, I laugh when you said badges or stickers. Cause remember the letters we used to get from from India or something when we were at Transworld? It's like, dear sir, I love your magazine. Please send me badges, stickers, and patches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so sure 120 people and there's two buildings here, right? Uh, now there's two. We used to have three, but then the R&D building was across, the, kind of on the corner over there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Don's building. He wound up selling it. So, yeah. so what's cool? What's cool? One of the things that's happened in the last two years, and and just because I'm really psyched about this, is um, the ownership of the com- companies. It's not changed, but the the leadership has. So Don Sakakura has moved off into um, just doing his Yoshimura Racing. Mm-hmm. So Yoshimura Racing is a separate company from Yoshimura R&D of America. Mm-hmm. So Don has basically um, has shifted his uh, focus, and the idea was to bring Yusaku, which he's been here about 10 or 11 years now. Mm-hmm. So Yusaku is the grandson of Pops, who Here's started the company. Yeah. So uh, the idea was always to have Yusaku, in, or, or this 
company remain in the family mm-hmm. um, forever. We well, never, they'll okay, never. Okay, so Yusaku just took over last year, right? Yeah, yeah. So what was, was he a, doing prior to that? Uh, he was the um, R and D manager. Oh, so, so he's, he's been in the company. Yeah, he's been in the company. He's got an engineering background. Okay. And so, um, and I love Don to death. And like I said, I just, he's just the most wisest guy in the world, mm-hmm. but he, he's probably, he just loves going racing and that's what he does, mm-hmm. but he's led this company for, you know, he started here in 1980 as an, as a mechanic mm-hmm. and he was the president of the company up until, uh, March of 18, I think. And that's when Yusaku stepped in. Mm-hmm. And since Yusaku has been here, um, man, it's been such a, a big transition because he's had to learn everybody's um job and what they do he mm-hmm. was kind of like i think he was getting groomed to be that mm-hmm. but he um well i don't think he it wasn't supposed to happen that fast mm. so um he kind of got like tossed into the into the washing machine so to speak and yeah he's really had to uh lean i think a lot on um on other other managers of the company to kind of not help him but like got help guide mm-hmm. as a team mm-hmm. And um, and he's really matured in my aspect over the last few years, and he's just just really um, he's just for me. I'm so I'm so excited to see the company in in the hands of him mm-hmm. because he sees something a vision for the company. You know, yeah, I where, think there's something to be said about a young guy taking over. Yeah, I mean he's he's wanting to invest in new tools and in technology, and this is what you know you know with electric stuff coming on. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, people are always asking, you know, like, well, what are you going to do when electric bikes take over? Well, you know, when that comes, you might see a Yoshimura product for electric bike mm-hmm. or who knows? We might maybe be making more mountain bike stuff. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So uh, what is the biggest uh, change in culture or direction you've noticed since Yusaku's taken over? Yeah. So I think so since you just a, just an energy you know, yeah. of, of, of him wanting to be involved in a lot of things and, you know, wanting to put his two cents in, but also relying on the other managers for their expertise of just saying, Hey, Oh yeah, you know what you're doing. That's, I like the, I like what you're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a, he's just a, just a, like, you can just see him like as time goes on, he gets wiser and wiser mm-hmm. and he just, um, Maybe it's just in his blood or something, but he, uh, it's just fun to be around. You know, yeah. we've, we've become, we've become really good friends and, <laughs> you know, he's, I think you're the one that gave him this, the first mountain bike that, that, oh, yeah. um, that Levo. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, I think I want to buy a mountain bike. You going to, and I was like, you going to buy an electric bike? Cause you know, from my bike background, yeah. you know? Um, and he's like, no, no, I'm not buying an electric bike. So, uh, so he's just become this, you know, uh, a mountain bike geek like, oh, dude, like me. He is, he's. He's as obsessed with cycling as I am. But he myself. loves it. He 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 does, and he's he's raced. He's entered a couple of races already. Yeah, and uh, he just loves the aspect of you know. I took him on this trip last year um, up in Kernville. A bunch of our guys going. It's an invite only thing, and we just uh, we just hit it off on that trip, and we talked and talked. And when we were up in the trees, it was like I don't think he'd ever been up way out in the wilderness before. Uh huh. And we were in the pine trees way deep in the sequoias, you know? Yeah. And it was just me and him riding on, on this because um, we were in a big group, but we were separated. And he's like, what's that noise? Is that a freeway? And it was all this wind blowing through the pine needles. <laughs> but I'm like, dude, that's not a freeway. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was just cool because it was one of those, we kind of really connected on that trip. And now he calls me his mountain bike sensei. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
So it's been kind of fun to, uh, we're working on some mountain bike projects together and, and you might see some mountain bike products yeah. maybe in the, in the near future from Yoshimura because, and it's not like we have to, you know, do something like that, but it's born out of passion. That's what I was going to say. It's a passion project. Yeah. For and it's sure. like when we come out with some products, hopefully maybe in spring, this is kind of a breaking thing. I really haven't talked about it to anybody, but when we come out with some products in the spring of next year, I think that you know, our, our whole vision for it is like, we're not going to try to sell a million dollars of this and do this. It's like, we're going to make really cool, well-made yeah. things. But the thing that, is, that is, be, is if you there's so buy much it, crossover between motocross and mountain bike, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a mountain biker that, you know, came from moto, you're going to want a Yoshi product on your bike because it's your original culture that you came from, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that there's a and the few people that when we still started this project about a year ago, year and a half ago, um, it's just um, I've asked people. I'm like, hey, what if Yoshimura came out with some some mountain bike products? Oh, dude, that name for sure. Like, mm -hmm. look, look what Renthal did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, Yoshimura would crush it. Yeah. So um, those are the I confided in some people and asked them, and they were just like, oh yeah. So. Yusaku being the engineer that he is, mm -hmm. you know, the first try. And he's the he, R&D guy. <laughs> yeah. And he, he, did, he developed this piece that we're, that we're working on right now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and just from my bicycle experience, I'm just going, dude, you're, you don't even know anything about anything. And you're 95% right on. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. just from my eyeball, you know? Yeah. And he's like, really? And I'm like, dude. Yeah. So that, that I mean, was the part I saw in the parking lot, right? Yeah. 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 That was nice. So there's some other stuff in the works too. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a composite shop across the street. Like, we can oh, yeah. do anything we want to do. That's Definitely. what's cool about um, what we're going to do is it's going to be maybe not down the road, but at first it's going to be all USA made, mm -hmm. high-end, assembled here, just full, you know, yeah. you know high-end You know stuff. what's funny is the whole brand recognition that will pretty much guarantee success, you know, at an entry level. I keep telling Ross, hey, mountain bike suspension is like, it's primitive compared to motocross suspension like and there's not really like as far as i know there's not like suspension shops that like fine-tune stuff or rebuild stuff it's like you, you gotta, gotta send, send it, it back off. to rock shocks you yeah. send it back to fox and i'm like just do it and i go think about all the crossover enzo racing would have just off its motocross yep uh reputation he'd have to I hire had, more guys i had this talk with him the other day and he goes bikes are stupid <laughs> <laughs> but uh i could just see him sitting in his chair going why do I want to do that? Yeah. It's kind of stupid. Yeah. Yeah, he's totally like, I have enough to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I want to branch into that? Stupid skinny tires. Yeah. But, um, okay, so one of the things about Yoshi products, I think, is that they're so nice. Like, like the pieces that you pull out of the box and you look at it, they're like beautiful, like works of art. And there's like never any jiggling or wiggling or bending you have to do to get it put on and it's kind of like excuse me and i'm sorry if i offend anyone here but it's like it doesn't have that made in america feel to it you know like, yeah like i would think it was made in japan or something yeah i like to think it's like the made in america like schwinn used to be made mm. in chicago like freaking really when you were proud to have american made stuff you know mm -hmm. uh it's it's not that way by accident we strain a lot to make sure that as we're building and developing and you know just like one of the things i recently you know we're just we're downsizing we're trying to really cuz uh, as as uh, retailers are shipping everybody has to pay more for shipping so we're 
we've we over the course of the last two years we've decreased our box sizes by like 40 percent or something yeah. just you know sm- making stuff smaller and how can we fit in a smaller box and how can we use recycled materials instead of yeah peanuts? that 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 system we just opened there's recycled cardboard that was perforated in there right yeah okay thank god because a i used to hate the peanuts i'd get from you guys when you yeah. shoot it and then that spraying foam that yep. you did for a while that was a nightmare yeah you know what that always reminded me of is one of the star wars movies when han solo was frozen in that thing <laughs> yeah. that's what the yeah. that's what that spraying foam was like to, to we still use that a little bit for the full systems uh-huh. and the the whole idea with that i think that it just backfired a little bit to where it's like hey again we want the customer when he gets it when he pulls it out of that foam is not a scratch on it. It's yeah. all assembled right. You just you put it on your bike and it fits perfectly, you know? Yeah. But the problem with it was two things. One, it wasn't recyclable. Two, it's a freaking mess. Oh, right? dude, all over your garage. And that's one of the things about our new packaging is if, yeah, as you were looking at that stuff when we pulled it out today, that box is made, just going back to the service, you can put it back in there and use those those um, where the mufflers come out of mm-hmm. those cardboard thing. You can send your system back in that and we can refurb it. Mm. So it's kind of the idea of like from the box to the inside, the recycled materials, you can use that, keep that around in your attic or in your top of your garage. Mm-hmm. When it's time to send your mufflers back or whatever, you can use those to, to send it back. You yeah, know? definitely. What do you, uh, okay, so I remember when... Uh, you guys started making systems for the KTMs and Huskies, right? Yeah. Is it, now, how do those part numbers sell compared to, say, the – like you guys are known for Suzuki and known for Hondas, right? I would imagine Suzuki and Honda dominate your sales for motocross. Um, I would say, yeah. Yeah, they definitely dominate. On, on the on the off-road yeah. side, yep. Okay, but KTM is like the market share leader, right? So, like, do KTM – systems by default sell really well or is it kind of like people are kind of weirded out about putting a japanese pipe on a or a japanese named pipe on austria yeah well we, it's well that's funny we're just as american made as yeah, the exactly. guys down the street right yeah but um i just think that there's a we we really the difference between yoshimura and one of the things i've learned over the years just all the companies i've, I've been with is like i think we just sweat to make um the difference, you know, like mm-hmm. what's the difference in our stuff? It's it's detail, right? Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, you put that system on that CRF250 uh, CR today, how easy was it? How yeah. did it go on? It was cake, yeah. Yeah. And so that's one of the things. The that, stock system was harder to take off than the aftermarket was easy to put on. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, when you're making a prototype system or a system for a race team, yeah, you can do that. But we're making hundreds and hundreds of those things. Mm-hmm. And it fits on like that. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't pull that pipe special for you that's right off the shelf that you know Mm -hmm. um so i think that you know that those are the things that when you think about a japanese um exhaust system on an austrian bike Mm -hmm. um i don't i don't it's funny i don't really i don't make that connection because it's really u.s made yeah and it's it's you want a quality piece on a quality bike because i I always think at ktms you know they're quality made Mm -hmm. you know motorcycles ready to race right yeah why wouldn't you put the best exhaust on it so we do um we do fair amount i mean obviously we'd love to have more market share on mm-hmm. those brands for sure mm-hmm. and maybe someday we'll be on a race team where we can do that or but right now um just the honda stuff is just keeps us so busy yeah um and not i'm not complaining at all it's really cool to be you know when i first came here we were such and this is in 13 even 
I think we were really known as the Suzuki brand, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. over the years since I've been here, it really seems like we've really transitioned into like, oh, yeah, they make Honda and Suzuki stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the Honda word comes first and Mm -hmm. we'll always be that Suzuki brand for sure um, forever. I mean, we've had a 41, two-year relationship with the the Mm -hmm. racing on Suzuki's. So... um, but it's really cool to be involved with the Honda brand. I mean, the Works Edition project was mm. was so amazing to be a part of. I mean, here's here's a project that we get raw materials from Japan, mm-hmm. titanium. We bring it here, we craft it, and then we put it in a box to send back to Japan yeah. to go down an assembly line to yeah. come back to the United States. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's pretty cool, you yeah. know. Um, and just to be, it's not like a handlebar. No offense, Torenthal. But this is a performance aspect yeah. on on a Honda motorcycle. Like, I as long as I've been around, I know I've never seen a, um, a performance piece on a Honda motorcycle go down an assembly line. So, for us to be a part of that mm-hmm. um, was huge, huge. Yeah. And and Honda does and still respects us a lot. For you know, we've got like I said, 110 employees here that mm-hmm. touch and see that stuff. And nobody knew about that works edition when it came out, when we had that system on, and now the mm-hmm. full system on the nineteen, yeah, uh, or the twenty. Um, it's just it's it's really cool to to like have their um, their trust to be yeah. a part of um, OE projects like that, you know. Yeah. And and we they share a lot of data with us, um, so we can build a, a better product for to fit on their motorcycle. So, <laughs> okay, so some of the things you guys have made here. I remember, I think it was early on when you first started here, you gave me a tour. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you guys, do you still make all the aluminum, bill of aluminum parts for the bikes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like... like but less and less on that stuff because it's it's really, it's just so hard to compete with engine plugs that are coming from Taiwan and China that, yeah. um, that are all these different colors and they're all bling. Yeah. And, you know, we make these really high-end, you know, hard anodized, really cool plugs. Well, that thing doesn't bling off my bike yeah but it it's going to outlast your engine you yeah. know <laughs> um so it doesn't sell as much as as we we uh we had hoped it would but mm-hmm. um it's still a quality product and and we still have that stuff it's it's actually i think we're going to be phasing it out um just to look at different stuff you know like i think one of the things that yusaku brings to the table it's like why are we making this whatever the yeah. product is yeah if it's not selling well. does it do we need to make this? Does it enhance our brand? Is there something else that we need to be making that mm. would be funner to make, would be easier to make? Um, you know, it's just, it's just again, his his uh, vision and his breath of fresh air and in, injecting something like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, why do we need to make engine plugs? Who started this? Why do we, <laughs> you know, those type of things. I think things, the so. engine plug, all that bling was like a, Kind of like the factory Suzuki team, right? Yeah, we. I mean, we made different me. colors, but the problem is when you make those colored pieces. Number one, it's hard to compete with a with somebody that makes the thing out of China or, yeah. or Taiwan. And number two, when you make those colors, they fade. Yeah, you know whether it's heat or ultraviolet light or soap and power washing. It's all that stuff fades it. Yeah. So we made a really cool engine plug with hard anodizing, and it's like, well, it doesn't. It matches my engine. It doesn't look cool. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's yeah. performance, yeah. you know. Yeah. So now, how about the engine, uh, like performance department back there? I mean, I know one of the most amazing modified things I ever rode with was a transmission that you guys tumbled. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you guys still do that service back yeah, there? Yeah, we still do consumer engines. M- mainly, um, we only um, 
what Dave Sanders is doing across the street on our uh, consumer engine program. One of the things that he's super busy with now, you're not going to believe this, but it's um, GSXR 600 engines. Uh-huh. And he builds a lot of engines for um, these uh, mini outlaw sprint cars. Okay. Because they use a GSXR yeah, yeah. 600 engine. I'm like, who knows a GSXR 600 engine better than the race team across the street, yeah. right? So he's super busy doing that. And then just this last two years, we were doing the Rock River engines for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that team's going to be around or they're not we're not going to continue doing that with yeah. them. Um, so, um, but I remember Michael Lindsay riding that bike and he was just like, dude, this is just a tick off a star Yamaha. What mm-hmm. I've been riding, you know, it's actually easier to ride. So we, I mean, that's something that we do and we know best as four stroke technology mm-hmm. and, um, whether it's an engine or an exhaust, that's what we, we've been doing for 65 years. You know, like there's a really cool thing uh, for you fans. If you want to go on our website, it's called the Yoshimura story. Mm. And it's, it's like four or five chapters. Um, we add a new chapter to it like every um, month, month and a half. But this guy's writing this story in Japan. And it's all about Yusaku's granddad mm-hmm. from when he was born going through the war and how he became this engine tuner working on airplanes. It, the story is unbelievable when you, you just get sucked into it. So I think where it is right now, it's where um, Mr. Honda, it, this is in like 1965 era now uh-huh. where it's up to. It's Mr. Honda and um, Pop, they were racing each other on the drag strips because there wasn't <laughs> racing uh, yeah. circuits yet. Yeah, They were racing on drag strips and uh, I think it was on drag strips or maybe it was Suzuki was coming around. Anyway, um, and Pops, uh, he would actually, um, they would go race, and the factory Hondas, he would always smoke them. (laughs) And Mr. Honda would get so mad about it. He's like, what are they doing to their engines? Find out what they're doing. And uh, so it came to the part where I think where where the story ends on our website now, um, they couldn't get um, uh, parts from HRC, which the company that is now HRC, Mm-hmm. Their parts allotment kind of stopped, and so they like they, they like you're not going to be this kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a really cool, fun story to uh, to to read because it's mm-hmm. really in depth with some really insane pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, check that out if you're if you want to kind of learn more about the history of our brand. But definitely, I forgot what your question. So was. no, we were talking about the uh, performance services operators. Right. So like, say someone wanted to have their CRF250R built up. Yep. You can drop it off the engine here and, and have it. Yeah, so I'm not sure if we have a spec for um, the newest 20 bike, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, it's all about having a spec. So we yeah. you know we can always definitely deck ahead and, and do some of the stuff that other people do, and we do the uh, the REM service yeah. for the transmission. Um, that we, that is amazing, right? So like that was that big tub of is it pellets of some? It's a, a ceramic media. Is a what ceramic it is. media and. and you put all the transmission gears in there, and it vibrates. They're all high, high, uh, high level, right? And yeah, and the specific specific fluids they use. It's about a twelve hour process or twenty four hours, and the fluid changes throughout the the time. Mm-hmm. So there's a cutting fluid, and then there's another polishing fluid that goes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, it's a really. Um, I mean, we do we do American Honda transmissions. We do Geico trannies. We do HPD. We do a bunch of people's transmissions mm-hmm. for them. Um, um, that's just part. I, of I just of remember, like, I mean, who thinks about a transmission like feeling better? But I, it was like the smoothest shifting. Shifting is way most better. Positive. Um, uh, the the engine actually revs faster. It, mm-hmm. it actually revs faster because there's less friction yeah. inside there. 
the engine runs cooler. There's a lot of benefits wow. to that. To that, that you wouldn't automatically assume. Yeah. Right. All right. So putting you on the spot. It's here. funny. It's funny when you see um, if you look at the process on our website. I think the video is still there. It's definitely on our YouTube channel. But when you when you put a set of transmission gears in there, it looks like a hardened Allen wrench. That that color. Uh huh. When you pull the gears out, they look like they're chrome plated. Yeah, that, that's the that's the difference. You can yeah. actually feel all the surface and all the hard edges have been knocked off. It's mm -hmm. really really cool. So how much does that service cost at retail level? Uh, about three hundred bucks. You that's it. Just drop your tranny off, and then uh, depending on if we're running it, it might be done in a week, four days. Oh it's my gosh! Still, yeah, yeah. That's... But I mean, obviously, not everybody can take their transmission out and bring it over. That's true. So there's a like if someone brought the motor, could they pay extra to have it? Um, sure, we could work. You know, yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. But yeah. It's easier just if you could bring your tranny by. Yeah, yeah. A lot of engine builders do that. Definitely. Yeah, because I could think of a few bikes I've already ridden this year that don't shift so Sano. Yeah. Wow. Well, it makes a huge difference for yeah, sure. For sure. So, okay. Of all the products you sell here, what's the number one system out of here? Is it still like that? grom or something <laughs> um so that's an ebb and flow right everybody yeah. always asks me um i get a lot of questions like hey what's well, how much street stuff do you sell versus dirt and so uh -huh. right now i would say i probably so that goes up and down depending on models and years mm -hmm. and stuff like that so right now we're about um 40 percent of a surface dirt bike mm -hmm. and it's crazy because you know our you know before 2002 i think we made a drz 400 system or something mm -hmm. but you know we like to say you know, we didn't go to the dirt dirt came to us yeah at yosh because yeah. when stuff went four stroke so people needed good self four stroke product you yeah. know and we knew that stuff inside and out but um i would think right now off the top of my head i think our best selling exhaust system is the honda monkey yeah wow it's just all the small bore stuff and i've really come to embrace it and i ride a z125 back and forth to, to commute from home and everybody thinks i'm a crazy kook but i'm telling you i had the best time riding that bike back and forth to work and i've ridden gsxr 1000s i've ridden all these different bikes there's just something about a small cc bike yeah and riding it to its potential rather yeah. than you know you've got these big leader bikes or 750s and like there's no way you're going to use all that bike you yeah know? yeah and uh so uh, the whole small bore thing is just Yoshimura is just a big part of that scene, mm -hmm. and the, the, when you know, the, again, just being a part of the Honda brand for so long, we got that bike a little bit early, and yeah. we just went to town on it. And the details that we put into that thing, people just freaked out on. And it was one of the first projects, really, that we all got together and we had a piece to say. And it's like, hey, what if we did this? Hey, let's add this to it. Let's do this. Yeah. And so when we came out with it, people were like, look at this little banana in the rivet yeah. band, you know. Yeah um so uh, it's just just fun a fun and it just added to the the character of that bike yeah you know, it's was, all about fun was one of the ones you built up the one that uh cole seeley was riding at the supercross track that was the honda monkey yeah 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 well, he did a start on yeah yeah <laughs> and then i think he tried to scrub it over the the finish line jump and stuff yeah, yeah. pretty cool that um, was one of our best posts of the year yeah for sure huh people are like what the heck <laughs> So that Honda Monkey is what CCs is it? It's a 125. So it's, it's basically the same engine as the Grom. Uh -huh. It's a 125 fuel injected four speed. Fuel injected. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, no more carburetors, man. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a fuel-injected four-speed. Um, fun little bike. And it's so funny, even though it uses a lot of the parts the monkey does as the Grom, um, it feels like an old trail bike, dude, because of the seat, because yeah. of the dual shocks, because yeah. of just your riding position. Uh, you just, it's just... It just feels like that old trail 70, trail mm-hmm. 90 kind of bike, you know? Yeah, it's like I was just looking at the one outside and I'm like, does it have fold-down handlebars? Yeah, well, <laughs> that one's a little bit modified. Yeah. Probably a $5,000 worth of mods on that oh bike. Oh, on a little monkey. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, hey, um, part of the uh, Swap Moto podcast presented by Fly Racing, we do the Bell Helmets bench racing session. So, all right, so next week is Monster Cup, right? Yep. And we had uh, Tim Geyser just in the Yoshimura lobby here. What do you expect from Tim Geyser <laughs> in his second attempt at the Monster Cup? Yeah, so it's funny. I think a lot of people, because he, he crashed pretty good at that yeah. first one, mm-hmm. but um, I think there's a certain style to Tim. Uh, first of all, it's, um, it's just a, such an honor for that guy to be a part of our brand too. You know? yeah. Like You don't think about it, but that guy's Sylvanian. And there's a certain exhaust company, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he, I, I think at the when he was coming up, they didn't give him the time of day or something. Uh-huh. And he has no allegiance to trying to run that brand at all or anything. Uh-huh. He's just a big Yoshimura fan. Yeah. And every one of his world titles we've been a part of. Yeah. And so he's just a cool guy. It's just a, a sense of humility to that guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a big fan first of all. Yeah. But then on our brand side. Um, I think, you know, just talking to him today when he was here, I think he's matured a ton since mm-hmm. the last time he was here. Um, he's here a lot earlier than he was last time. He only rode the bike two times okay. when he came last time. And he didn't, I think he only went on the Supercross track in Corona once yeah. at that time. And then he so went to he Milestone or something. Did he just get here then? No, he's been here for a couple of days. So, okay. So leading up to the Monster Cup, he'll have almost two weeks okay, on the so bike. Okay, so we might see him up in Corona. Yeah, oh, you'll, you'll see him up there for sure. Okay. He'll be there, Milestone. He'll be all over the place. So, yeah. But I expect him. Uh, don't be, I wouldn't be surprised if he was on the podium. I think, really? I think he's good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got more um, um, uh, wisdom and knowledge in his riding since he last came here. Because mm-hmm. he had stars in his eyes when he came here before. Yeah. And now he's got another world title under his belt or two, whatever it was. I can't remember if he it was world champ then. But but one of the things I really, that nobody, you know, I'm on Vital on the forum and I look at that stuff and I don't really talk a lot, but I watch what people say. And it's just like, I don't think people give him enough credit. Like, where's the other European guys? Yeah. Like, their season's over. Come over and race. Mm-hmm. Where's Febra? Where's uh, Hurlings? Where's all these? Why don't you guys come race? Yeah, that's the one thing I told them today. I'm like, man, I have so much respect for you because you have no reason to come here at all and go mm-hmm. do this race, and you're the world champion. Yeah, he's got everything to lose and not much to gain. But he loves it. He, yeah, he just he loves the American scene, and I'm not sure if he still wants to come here and race. I think he's definitely making a a life for himself in Europe. Yeah, but I just that guy just rides with so much heart. It's ridiculous, mm-hmm. man. Definitely. All right, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna put him on the podium. On I don't the podium. know where. But- but uh, I'll put him on the podium. Okay, but uh, okay. So Tomac is uh, defending champ. You know, won all three mains last year. Do you see him being the favorite for a repeat? I gotta think he's a favorite. Yeah, right? he just came off an amazing well, summer. Who's gonna right? beat him? Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I understand Ken's probably not racing. Maybe he might change his mind. It's just pretty crazy that. Well, he's got his own his his own thing, but. 
mm-hmm. man, if there was a million dollars up for grabs, I'd be like, well, we could buy that island in the Pacific with this extra million I made, you know. <laughs> but that's Kenny's thing. He's probably, if he's not racing, he's probably thinking about long-term coming out for Supercross at 100%. Yeah. You know, because he's, obviously, he's made it known. He's got some illness he needs to, he needs to fix, right? Mm-hmm. So. Hey, so, uh, you know, speaking of the, the Geico Honda team, is Shimoda, like he's he's pro now, right? He's not going to race that the amateur all stars race at Monster Cup. Right? No, I think that um, uh, Jet Lawrence will probably race that, mm-hmm. and so will uh, I think Carson Mumford just got injured. Yeah, you heard and his so, spleen. Yeah, and so will uh, uh, Yoder. I think he'll race. Yeah, Yoder. So, but, uh, but I think uh, Joe is going to be pro next year for sure. I'm not sure which coast he'll ride, but I, I think he's officially a part of the pro team. Yeah. Definitely. I hear uh, maybe they're thinking the same for Jet, possibly. I think Jet wants to, wants to jump in with both feet, you yeah. know. But I think, um, I think they're going to wait. Let's see what happens through Supercross and see what happens in outdoor. He, maybe Hangtown, he might, he might just go, let's go, yeah. you know. I love, the, uh, I love the rivalry between Jet and uh, Hunter. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> It's, uh, those, you know, I, I th- again, the, just being a part of that Geico team is so rad for our brand. I think that, you know, uh, Hunter and, and Jet and that whole family just seems like they're just in it, diving mm-hmm. head first. And they just embrace this, you know, don't you dare be normal, right? Yeah. <laughs> just be yourself and have fun and be, and that's what I dig about Jet and, and even Hunter. Hunter seems to be obviously a lot more relaxed than his bro. <laughs> But man, Jet is just going to be. I mean, I think he's going to be, and, and no offense to Ken, but I think he's going to be the next Ken Roxon. You know, he's going to mm-hmm. be the guy that people flock around that has that style. Mm-hmm. I remember when he first came here, dude. I was at Milestone, and the dude pops this wheelie, and he's scraping the back fender. Just like I'm like, how is he not falling off the back of the seat? Mm-hmm. It's like he's got so much bike control, almost like a trials rider. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, he's fifth. 14 yeah. i don't remember what he went back then 15 but, probably yeah but yeah super like so much skill you know so yeah. i think the big thing for for jet's going to be keeping his head straight because yeah. obviously <laughs> when the money comes all the all the peripheral craziness comes you know yeah so yeah. again he's going to have the right have to have the right people around him and i think that's hopefully the geico team can can be a part of that yeah. provide that for him i was pretty uh i was pretty heartbroken for hunter this year with all the injuries he struggled with and bummer. the bad luck he had but I, i'm really a big fan of of hunters as well gosh he's such a cool dude you yeah. know he's like he he'll sit and talk to you till your thing runs out of a battery you know yeah. he's such a cool guy you know and uh and that's what i think that i think a lot of the fans dig him mm-hmm. and i think if um when he comes back up back around this year i hope he's healthy and gets the results because I think that guy's good enough to win a championship for sure. I Definitely. mean, we saw those couple of bright spots. It's like, whoa, where did that speed come from? Yeah, I think, right? was it Pala? Yeah. When he, yeah, when he yeah. was battling AC. That Definitely. Was, but yeah, it'll be cool to uh, to see that team do well again. I was so excited for Chase to win that championship, you yeah. know? Yeah. And a lot of people kind of discredited him. It was like, well, well, you know, Forkner. It's like, but dude, you got to be there at the right yeah. time. At the, it's part of racing, right? Mm-hmm. And he was. And he stepped up and he could have easily choked in yeah. Vegas. Yeah. But, but yeah, super. <laughs> Chase. <laughs> you know, the best thing about Chase is we were, uh, we were, we were mountain biking in Greer in uh, December. And uh, 
I love how, like, I love that kid about how, how Midwestern he still is. Yeah. You know? And that's one of the things I hope that doesn't change with him. Because mm-hmm. that's the kind of the character that he is. Yeah. Don't try to be Californian yeah. or yeah. Floridian or whatever. Just please just stay chase, right? Yeah. But we were riding at Greer Ranch and, dude, he sent it down this hill. You know, and he was riding a cross-country bike and doing all the jumps and everything. We get to the bottom wall. Dude, you're psycho. <laughs> and he's all, yeah. And I think, I think Christian had just gotten hurt. And so he's like, well, yeah. I guess I shouldn't send it this hard because now that I'm going to have to ride West Coast because Christian got hurt. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, dude. What do you think? Yeah. And like two days later, he broke, broke his, his collarbone, collarbone. At, a, at Skyline. And where he broke his collarbone, he was, for him to have gone over the bars and crashed where he did because he came off the single track onto the fire road and just uh-huh. bottomed out one of the bars. He must have been going. Was he on the cross-country bike then too? He was on the sniper, yeah. Oh, gosh. But it's funny because after that, Jeff Myshak's all, hey, our guys can't ride the sniper anymore. Yeah. They have to ride a bike with big suspension, mm-hmm. which I think is smart anyway. I mean, you're a mountain bike guy. Like, don't you think for a, a motocross guy training on a mountain bike, you should train on a trail bike? A, it's safer when you send it, and B, it's heavier, so it's better training. And C, it's funner. Yeah, way more fun. Right? Who wants to ride a cross-country bike? I'm like, sure, it's faster, but that's not fun, pedaling yeah. a bike that's killing your back. And, yeah, three you know, inches with, of travel. Yeah, and skinny tires. and Yeah. Man, I'm excited for this uh, potential Yosh mountain bike. Oh, well, we'll see. Stuff. You know, I can't let the cat out of the bag yet, yeah. but it's something that um, I'm excited about too um, because – it's a. It's going to be products born out of passion, not mm, this, not not like oh we need we need to invent new stuff. It's gonna. It's Yusaku's idea to do it. Oh yeah. And and it's like <laughs> I, I've been I've been a part of it because of my bike background, and just kind of on the on the outskirts, it's, it's kind of planning the marketing and what mm-hmm. we're going to do. But I just think that um, I think people are going to gravitate to it because it's going to be really quality, well made, and kind mm-hmm. of our niche is going to be like. It's made here, and it's and it's a little more expensive, but there's a lot of detail thought out in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the it's cool. One of the I know there's people's batteries who are going to run low on their phone. Listen to this yeah. thing; right? it's, it's so long. But one of the cool things is, um, I think that um, when we're going to make something, it's going to be there's going to be a um, a necessity for it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we went to a few bike shows, and 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 uh, and Yusaku and I were looking around, and one of the things that took him back, he's like, dude. There's so much really quality made stuff out there. Like he had no idea, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah. There's like the problem is that there's a lot of these these companies that are um, um, ride around mm-hmm. and they don't know how to run a business, and they just go to Taiwan and open up the TBG, the Taiwan Bike Guide, and they mm-hmm. make a company out of you know these four companies that make this or these four companies yeah, that make yeah. frames or whatever, and they put their name on it or they have their own suspension idea or whatever, but. Um, but our stuff's going to be different because it's going to be, it's going to be uh, low volume, high quality, and just with the Yoshimura brand name mm-hmm. on it, and it'll be fun to be the uh, at the beginning of something. I think that could yeah. have a lot of uh, potential. You know, it just cracks me up because, you know, you and I were both trying to convince him that mountain biking was awesome. Yeah, and he, that guy, is like obsessed. Like I've yeah. seen him. I've bumped into him at the trailhead at Marshall. I've- Dude, it's you know what's crazy about him? This I'm and I'm not blowing wind up his skirt, but I am so I just dig the dude. Okay. And yeah. okay, he's my boss, but whatever. But I've seen him progress so fast, dude. He's got no 
real off-road experience yeah. to speak of. And um, from when we went on that mountain bike trip to now, like he's on my backside going down hills. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, how? Yeah, he's not, how he doesn't have. And he's like, dude, it's the same. It's two wheels. What's the big deal? I'm like, <laughs> I know motocross guys that can't ride a mountain bike because they can't get the feel. Yeah, don't tell me it's just because two wheels, dude. You you know how to ride. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, so, check, I, I, I check some of his Strava times when I bumped into Marshall, and I was shocked. Yeah. No, dude, <laughs> every time I go riding with him, he's that much better. I'm like, I can't. I definitely can't keep up with him now climbing. Yeah. But I'm like, at least I had him handled on the downhills. Yeah. He's right there with me now. It's oh, it's man. nuts, dude. Can he hang with you down Emerald, Old Emerald? Uh, He's not that far off. No way. Yeah, not that far oh, off. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't want to ride with him anymore. No, he's, he's good, dude. And And... <laughs> Yeah, and then one of the cool things he's like that he, I remember him saying early on, he's like, he used to get sick all the time. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, I don't get sick anymore. Yeah. And he used to have high cholesterol, mm. not anymore. Yeah. And he just thinks like, just like you, like you always say mountain bike kind of saved my life kind of yeah. thing. It's the same with him. Definitely. Not only does he have fun, but it's a blast to do, yeah. you know? And when, so yeah, he's got the mountain bike bug and we all, <laughs> we all know what that is, right? Is he still riding? Is that his first mountain bike? Uh, to he's just still riding that stumpy, yeah. It's an aluminum frame stumpy yeah. too, right? Yep. Yeah. See, he's so into it. I'm surprised he's not on an S Works right now. He's close to buying a new <laughs> frame. So he's just got Olin's suspension, yeah, on the on the shock and the fork, and he bought carbon wheels, and I got him to buy carbon handlebars. So this this stumpy that he's got is all upgraded yeah. except for the frame. Except for the frame, yeah. yeah. Nice. So, well, hey man, is uh, it was it was a really good time getting together and reminiscing about uh, our long history together and then hearing a lot of your insight about the brands that you have uh, been a part of. So Yeah, I hope I hope every, you know, I appreciate you letting me do this and I hope everybody like listens to it cuz I think there's there's so much oh man, we could keep going on, right? Totally. <laughs> but uh, I think there's so much fun stuff to listen to like that and maybe I'm obviously I'm too close to it to say that, but I've just had the funnest ride, yeah. you know, through my whole, like I, I was telling somebody, my, my daughter came home and, um, she came home from school and she said, uh, dad, I told my, um, my, my uh, teacher that you didn't go to college and he's like, Oh, what a, like, kind of like blew me off. I'm like, yeah. I've had the best jobs in the world. I yeah, don't, totally, like, right? You know what I mean? Like I guarantee that guy couldn't do what I do, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I just, I had lived this charmed life, man, just being around great people and, being a part of great brands and just being at the right place at the right time when yeah. seeing you at the motocross track going, come write for me. Yeah. Can you write something? Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny is like my daughter, Samantha, she's, she graduated college like a semester early and she kills it. And she's working as a, like a junior engineer at this firm now. And she don't like it. She's, she's gonna, she's going to quit in February and she's going to go live with my wife's brother in uh, Virginia for a couple months. And, get a job in a coffee shop because it's just something she wants to do right yeah. she's i don't want to get because she's worked for this company since she was in high school yeah she started up and she's just like i'm like sammy are you sure and she's like i don't love this job and i'm like hey 90 percent of the workforce out there they don't love their job i'm just an exception yeah you know yeah. like she's, you and i she's around you just like yeah. enjoying your life from when she was born yeah. right to yeah, now definitely. she's like this is just such an inspiration for yeah. her, right? And she's like, I want that. Yeah. You know? I mean, you and I, Big E, we're, we live very blessed lives. For sure. To work in the industry that we love and 
are surrounded by cool people and, yep. and, and all that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's something I've never taken for granted and I've, dude, I'm so pumped that we decided to keep going forward and do the swap model life thing after oh, transfer yeah, folded, dude. but, uh, that was such a, a testament and, and again, we're running long, right? Whatever. <laughs> but that was such a testament to your passion because I know it was a, tr a, tr a tumultuous time for you because yeah. you're trying to buy that brand back. It was the same thing with me. You know, when, when the GT thing went sideways, mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. I want that brand. I want to buy it back. And these guys thought that it was worth all this money. Mm -hmm. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we'll buy the inventory. That's all it's really worth. You know, like yeah. I, we wind up not, we wound up not buying it with a couple of investors, but, but I mean, I saw that happen with you guys and I'm mm -hmm. like, you and Anton and, and um, just you, you guys just huddled together and, and just said, hey, we're going to do this thing and we're going to keep pushing through. And, you know, uh, with the media side, you know, it's 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 I think our industry and this is just my perspective, but I think our industry has been one of the last to change out of print um, mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing. Um, but it's happened so quick. You know, I think other industries, it probably was a gradual thing, but in our industry, it was like, boom, yeah. all of a sudden, this magazine's gone. This is happening. This is getting smaller. So it's just an interesting thing as, as media is being consumed differently. Mm. Um, you guys are embracing that and you see that and, uh, and it's just cool. I mean, the little bit, you know, we weren't prepared to, to, to be fully diving in head first with SML, mm -hmm. but man, like, I'm just so proud of you, what you've done and being mm -hmm. able to take the, the whatever the ashes that you've been given and going <laughs> we're going dude yeah. so you you got you know me you know anton this is the brand we're going to have and we're going to this is what we're the, how we're going to produce media mm -hmm. and uh it's just been cool to watch you guys over the last eight months however as long as it's been to just go we're taking this thing football right down there to the end zone. yeah yeah you guys with us or not you know yeah, it's been fun yeah been an adventure for and it's sure. and it's going to be changing for you too yeah. right you know yeah. you're as next year you a year comes back under your belt you're going to see people's budgets change and and how you're going to probably look at the website and how you're going to do podcasts and all the things you're going to do and that's going to evolve too so um yeah. it's just cool to see that you know um you got pushed right out of that comfort zone oh, right yeah. out oh yeah oh what am i going to do now <laughs> <laughs> but look where you are you yeah. know you're smiling you're having fun and you're probably the probably the best time you've had you know like you've got you're the manager of your time now. Yeah. You know? Definitely. So, yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure to be a part of, uh, be a friend first. Yeah. And just be a part of watching you do your thing. And as, as you know, we don't have the biggest budgets in the world, but to be a part as much as we can of what you've done over the years, it's been it's been an honor to, you know. I've been, at any company I've been, I've, I've yeah. always tried to spend some money with yeah. where you're at. So, it's cool. cool. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for uh, joining me, Biggie, and uh, you guys, thanks for listening, and um, if you are on a, uh, a podcast server, do yourself a favor and check out SwapMotoLive.com on the internet, a website, because like websites are kind of like going out now too, right? It's all social and podcasts and videos, but yeah. still, still need that home base though. Yeah, SwapMotoLive.com, check it out. Thank you for listening. We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. 
Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet.